This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. It may be this is your first time to tune in to the telecast and we welcome you. Today we're going to be discussing a subject that touches the lives of all people. We want to talk about the home. What does the scriptures tell us about the home? Stay tuned. Now today on our telecast we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course and I'd like to underscore the fact that it is free. And we have many, many people throughout the world that are studying this course, thousands of people. We want you to have it as well, that you might know more about the course and what's involved in the course, and then that you might know how to receive the course. Why don't we just pause for just a moment? To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the book of Psalms, chapter 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. English hero Phil Marshall Montgomery once said to his troops, Gentlemen, do not consider marriage until you have mastered the art of war. Well, there is a war going on today in the family. From the beginning of time, Satan has fought against the home as God planned it, as God designed it. And the battle continues today. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. They were told to to live there with one prohibition. They were not to eat of the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. God said, the day you eat of it, you'll die. But along comes Satan, deceives the woman, and she talks to her husband about it, and they both eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden. 
and their eyes are opened, and sin entered the world. This was Satan's first attempt at destroying the first family as God originally planned it to be. And from that time unto the present day, Satan still is trying to destroy the family, trying to destroy the home as God in heaven designed it to be. I don't know of anything that ought to be more precious to us today than our home, our family. And we want to know, what can we do to have a good home? What can we do to save our homes? What can we do to prevent our homes being destroyed by the devil himself? Well, I believe the 127th Psalm has some good words for us. Things that I believe if we will take to heart will help us have a good home and possibly prevent us from ever having any problems that would lead to the destruction of the family. Now let's just look at some things out of that chapter. First of all, the, the writer tells us about the beginning of a family. And he said, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In ancient times, it was a practice to build huge walls around the city. I've, I read in one place that some of those walls would be so thick that two chariots drawn by horses could pass side by side. There would be someone on that wall called the watchman. He had many responsibilities. But one, perhaps his main responsibility, was to watch for the approach of an enemy. And if an enemy was coming, he would warn the inhabitants of the city to prepare for battle, to prepare to defend themselves. It just seems to me the lesson here is very obvious. Unless the Lord is in our home, unless the Lord is guarding our home, we're going to have a near impossible task of keeping the devil out. One of the very first things we need to consider when we consider marriage, when we think about starting a home, is the foundation of that home and who's going to help us keep it intact. For many, many years in preaching, I'd always have some young couple want to come to me and, and, and talk to me about getting married. And, and so for years, many years, I would give them a, a premarital inventory. I'd explain to them, this is not a test. You can't fail it. It's just going to point out areas of compatibility and incompatibility between the two of you. And, and, and one of the areas on that test had to do with the spiritual life of the couple that is about to be married. And one thing I observed is I would give those uh, inventories to young couples that very, very few of them had ever given any serious thought at all 
to their spiritual life together once they were married. You know, we need to put first things first. And the very first thing that ought to be considered when we think about building a home, having a family, is the Lord needs to be a priority in our home. There are some things I want to suggest that you, you need to bring with you on your wedding day. Maybe there's some young couple right now that's contemplating marriage in the future. It actually may be some older person who's thinking about marriage in the future. Well, all of the things that I'm about to say would apply to any of us. First of all, when we think about getting married, we need to bring on our wedding day with us to the altar, we need to bring the tone of trust. We need to be able to trust one another. You know, in the 31st chapter of Proverbs, the writer is talking about a worthy woman. And he said her price is far above rubies. And then he says that her husband does safely trust in her. He trusts her so that he shall have no need of spoil. And she'll do him good and not evil all the days of his life. So a man ought to be able to trust his wife. But a woman should be able to trust her husband. In other words, we need to be able to have a mutual trust for one another. I've seen men who were extremely jealous of their wives. And they would have to have their wives to report to them where they had been, who they had seen, who they had talked to. And they would become quite uh, uh, irritable if their wife had spoken to some gentleman. But you see that underlying that is the fact that a man does not trust his wife. We need to trust one another. Bring with you the tone of trust. Something else to bring with you on that wedding day is the loyalty of love. In talking to young couples, I would say something about like this. I'd say now, Right now, everything is fine in your relationship and you're soon going to be married and I said, you're going to be on cloud nine. But it won't be long in your life together until there will be some cloud that will come on the horizon of your life. Now, when that happens, what are you going to do? When there's some problem that comes, whatever might be the, the source of that problem, well, what are you going to do? And what will keep you together in those times? And that which will keep you together is the love that you have for one another. Colossians 3.14 says that love is the bond of perfectness. Love is the glue, it's the cement, it's the adhesive that keeps us together in the difficult times. And if you get married, you're going to have some difficult times. They may be financial times. That is, hard times financially. There could be times of sickness in your family. There are other things that can cause us to have some difficult times. But you need to bring with you the tone of trust and loyalty of love, and that will keep you together. Also bring with you purity of person. I've had some young... A girl to run up to me and she would 
had just gotten a ring on her finger. She was now engaged. He said, oh, Brother Lambert, let me show you my ring. I've had other young girls to say, Brother Lambert, uh, when I find the right person, I'm going to get married. Let me tell you something that's more important than finding the right person, and that's your being the right person, and that's your being, that when you stand before the altar to be married, you stand there pure in the sight of God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. So you need to bring purity of person. Also on that day, you need to bring permanence of purpose. Well, when you go to get married, just how long do you plan to stay married? Just how long? Are you going to stay married until you see someone else that you like better? Are you going to stay married until you find out that he snores at night and keeps you awake? Are you going to stay married until the bills begin to pile up and you have a lot of pressure to come on you and, and you don't know what to do and you just want to get out? Just how long is this relationship going to last? I read about a place in Florida that had advertised wedding rings for rent. I just made me wonder how long they plan to use them. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And we do not have the right, we do not have the authority to put asunder anything that God has joined together. And when a man and a woman are joined together in the sight of God, then no man has a right to put that asunder. And so you need to bring permanence of purpose. And it's to be for better or for worse. It's to be in sickness or in health. It's to be whether you're rich or whether you are poor. You stay together for the rest of your life. And then also you bring the stance of spirituality with you on your wedding day. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua said to God's people, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were the, on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. In other words, regardless of what others may do or not do, in our home, we're going to serve the Lord. Isn't that what the psalmist said in very, verse 1? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see, God needs to be the head of our home. And uh, he needs to be at the core of our home, the center of our home. And so this is the way to begin a family. Start it with the Lord in your family. A number of years ago where I was preaching, it was determined that on Wednesday nights during the month of December that we would invite different speakers to come and talk about the family. One of the men that was invited was, was really not a preacher. He was a, a counselor and, and, and worked in so many different areas in helping people with their problems. And we asked him to talk about how to keep the home together. We thought because of his experience and his background that he would certainly have some good things to say to us. I shall never forget what he said to us. 
He said, I can tell you tonight what I'm not allowed to tell people where I work. You see, he was working for the state. And the state would prohibit him from saying anything of a religious nature. So he said, I'm going to tell you from the standpoint of all of my background, all of my experience in dealing with people, dealing with their problems, dealing with their marriage difficulties, what you can do to keep your home together. And I just sort of got on the edge of my seat. I thought, man, this is going to be good. I, I can use this. I'll be able to preach this somewhere else. This is going to be different. But little did I know that he was going to say something I'd said over and over again. This is what he said, and it was so profound. He said, if you want to keep your home together, put the Lord first in your life. And he's exactly right. He's not about right. He is right. Because, you see, if you put the Lord first in your life, then whatever comes up in your life you're going to begin to think about, now how would the Lord want me to handle this? How would the, what decision you suppose the Lord would want me to make in this instance? Put the Lord first. That's the beginning of the home. Now in this psalm, after talking about the beginning of a home, he talks about the birth of children, beginning in verse 3. He said, children are an heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who have his, has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And so here he, he's talking about the birth of children. Do you remember when your children were born? Do you remember how excited you were when those children were born? I remember when ours were born. Our son was born first, then sometime later, two or three years later, our daughter is born, and then a few years later, another daughter is born. And every time I looked into the face of one of those babies, the, the thought that went into my mind and into my heart was this, Lord, this is not just a mind to educate. This is not just another mouth to feed. This is not just another body to clothe. But dear God, this is a soul to save for all eternity. You see, our children need to be focused on the right course in life. In the psalm that I just read from Psalm 127, he, he likens children to arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And they are arrows. I don't know very much about using a bow and arrow. I've, I've done some of it on a very small scale. But those who are skilled with a bow and arrow can take that bow in hand, place the arrow in on the string, the bow string, pull it, and set it on a course with a great deal of accuracy. Now sometimes the, the arrow may fall short of the target because you, you may aim just a little too low. And, and sometimes I suppose it's possible the arrow might go way over the target because you've aimed too high. And sometimes it may go to the side because you aimed too wide.
But if you keep practicing and with, with diligence continue to focus on the target, you get that arrow on the target. You may not always hit the bullseye, but you'll get close to it, and sometimes you may get on the bullseye. In rearing our children, they're like those arrows, and sometimes we may fall short of everything that we want to do with them. We don't hit the bullseye. So sometimes we have greater expectations for them than, than is realistic, and we may just shoot way over the target. But if we'll focus on it, even though we're imperfect as parents, we can get close to hitting that bullseye, setting them on the proper course in life. I don't know of anything that's more important than that. Do you? Our children are so valuable that God gave us those children. Genesis 4 and 1, Mother Eve said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. That The psalmist says they're a heritage of the Lord. God gives us our children, and we have the responsibility of bringing them up correctly, as Paul wrote in Ephesians, in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. And it takes time to rear children. It takes a lots of time. It takes more time than some are spending with their children. Some spend no time with their children. And then later they wonder why the children do some of the things they do or don't do some of the things that they ought to do. And it was because no time was spent in trying to focus them in the right direction in life. A man took off from work one day and took his little boy fishing. And the next day when the man went back to work, his co-worker said, what did you do yesterday? He said, well, really just wasted a day. Well, what did you do? I took my boy fishing. But you know what that little boy wrote in his diary that night his daddy took him fishing? He said, today was the greatest day of my life. My daddy took me fishing. You see, he took time with his son. The greatest gift that you can give your children is to give them some of your time. And we have the responsibility of giving them time. A man was watching the evening news and, and they were talking about various places around the world and he wanted to see if he could find those on a map and he had no map at hand but he thought about his son's globe in his room and he went into his son's room and he picked up the globe with the intention uh, of putting, placing it before the television and as the commentator would talk about these places he was going to try to find them on the globe. As he was leaving his son's room, his little boy looked up at him and said, Daddy, well, what are you going to do with my world? Could I ask you, what are you going to do with your child's world? Are you going to leave it to chance? You're going to let your child build their own world? And if you leave it to chance, the, the chances are someone else will help your child build their world, and it may not be what's the best for them. What are you doing with your child's world? We need to rear our children so that one day they will be in heaven at last. 
We need to rear them. Doesn't mean that all of them are going to accept the teaching. We have a responsibility to teach them, to train them, and sometimes there are children who have their own will. They are self-willed, and they do not heed the teaching that is given to them. But we need to give it to them, and then they have a responsibility to accept that teaching. The psalmist says, children are an heritage of the Lord. We have a responsibility for setting them on the right course in life. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to rear them in a home where God is believed, God is loved, His Word is revered. In Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, Moses said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. The word which I commanded thee this day shall be in your heart. You'll teach it diligently unto your children. And so three things that he talks about right here. Number one, teach your children God. Number two, teach them to love God. And you can't teach them to love what they don't think that you love. If you want your children to love God, they must see that you love God. And three, you need to teach them to have a great respect for the Word of God. And so we have a responsibility in the home with our children. Is your home what it ought to be? Is your home a place where God is loved and respected? A home where the Bible is read? A home where prayers are prayed? Is your home a Christian home? I'd encourage you to make your home Christian. I've talked with men who realize they need to be Christians, but they've, I've had men to say, well, I'm not hurting anyone but myself because I'm not a Christian. And I could only wish that that were true. But the fact is, if you are not a Christian, by your influence, you're hurting other people. I'd encourage you to become a Christian today. Make it a Christian home. Believe on Jesus. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Christ. Be baptized into Christ that those sins might be forgiven. I'd encourage you today to make your home a Christian home. Rear your children at a Christian home. They have a right to a Christian father. They have a right to a Christian mother. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I invite you to the services of the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it is located, call us. We'll give you that information. And also right now, before we close, call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. I want to thank you for watching. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.